0: the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
1: Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, katherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone.
2: Good morning, I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone on VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com Women, and joining me this morning is Lauren Deller, my co-host. She's president of Big Fish Nation, a 12-month entrepreneurial program, which you can take in the comfort of your own home or office. How are you this morning, Lauren?
3: Good morning, Catherine. I'm um, I'm good. I'm in a precarious situation at the moment.
2: All right. So tell me, are you sitting there with the baby on your lap? I
3: am. Well, you know, in Austin, Texas, when it rains, it's like having a nor'easter in the northeast. So nobody can drive, and they get, you know, all crazy. So we're having a major rainstorm, and my child care isn't here. So, yeah, she's actually, I think I did what, I took charge as best as I could. I put the, her favorite video in, and we'll see how long it lasts.
2: It always works. You know what they tell you? I mean, they always told me with my kids, Lauren, don't let them watch videos. Don't let them watch television. But, you know, that's the best baby <laughs> there. I mean, and especially if you're in a pinch. So... The nanny didn't show up because there's, like, major storms going on. But, me, but
3: major is still relative. You know, I'm from the Northeast. It's it's rain. Can I say? I was going to say a word that I probably can't say on the radio. It's just <laughs> rain. <laughs>
2: Actually, Reuben, my board op, said you can say anything, but don't say it. We I won't say yeah, it. I won't know say it. We know what you
4: mean.
2: Uh, well, you did take, I told you, the theme of this show is taking charge. It taking is. charge of your life and your body, and that's what you're doing. Um, at, at, at what point, because I know this is something that happens to working mothers all the time, uh, did you realize that you weren't going to have your nanny there and you were going to have to do a show? and? With Only this?
3: about five minutes ago. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Well,
3: <laughs> so you deal with it. You know, and I think that's actually what's most amazing about women today is we, it's a choice to be taking charge. You know what I mean? It's like do I take charge or do I let it run me?
2: Okay, you took charge. Like, if you had let it run you, what would have happened? I mean, you, you cancel your show, you do, you know, you have to figure out how you can do, how you, you have to be creative, you have to think out of the box in these kinds of situations.
3: And I think you also have to stay in charge. Like, in my mind, I have to stay in charge. And I think a lot of times we let, you know, what's going on, Control charge.
2: you? Yeah, I think that's true. It, yeah, it, it, yeah. You have to control the events, even if they're unexpected, like this. Well, I can't even hear because you know what? If she talks, that's fine.
4: <laughs>
2: that's just the way. This is this is Voice America women, exactly.
3: So. And it's at least she's a girl, so we're we're doing okay. We can add her add her comments too.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'm <laughs> sure that she's not going to sit there. This isn't what an role, 18 month old exactly, months?
4: right? Yeah,
2: she's not going to sit. At least mine would never do that. Sit in front of the video for an hour. No,
4: we'll,
2: no. We'll see. Okay, so I think you've done a good job. Well, she can always, she can say something. If she, I've listened to radio shows where actually the host has had her kid on talking, you know, two and three years old, so Amazing. we're all set. Yeah.
3: Amazing. But I do think, I was sitting here right before we were getting on the air and thinking, you know, how is it that we take charge You know, it was funny, I received your, you know, your focus for the day and it was, I'm thinking, you know... It's such a choice every single day of how in charge are we.
2: Yeah, it's sometimes, though, I think, especially for women, they feel overwhelmed. You can't help it. I mean, they seem to be the ones who are taking charge at least most of the time. And, I mean, you are 20 years younger than I am, but it seems to me (laughs) this still exists that they are in charge of their household, their work situation, at least three-quarters of the time, even if they have a partner.
3: I agree with that. And it's
2: still the same.
3: Yeah, I think that's very accurate, whether we want to admit it or not and whether our partners want to admit it or not.
2: So over the past 20 years... Baby boomers, uh, you know the next generation. It really hasn't changed. I wonder why that is. I mean, because the, you know what the 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 rap is that it has changed. You know that you have, you know, both parents are helping to take care of the kids and they're both taking charge, you know, taking charge of the household and doing the grocery shopping and working. But it's really not true. It's always it's usually left in the lap of the woman.
3: I think that's true. It's and I I don't know. I I do think that men are more involved, but you know. <laughs> I think that's but far, not
2: the one you're with.
3: Not the one I, you know, he's at, a, at out traveling the world today, and will yeah. be back late tonight. But um, yeah, I do think that women. I don't know. I, I think that there is something about men are trying to step in and take more charge, but I don't think it's the norm. I really don't think. I think that you know, look at marketing. There's so many marketing tools out there. Women, um, women. I just realized that I have help now. Oh. Um, I just, <laughs> I just, she I breath- think that there is a big.
2: Or she's going to lose her job. Yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, whoops,
3: whoops, whoops, there are we are. Oh, okay. She's got help and. I was handing her off. Oh. Anyway, oh, I do okay. think that there's a whole piece around women, you know, how we, the marketing, marketing is all geared towards women these days. And I think that there's, I pick any book you pick up about marketing, there's a whole segment about marketing to women because we're making the decisions. And I think men are not stepping in in a lot of areas or so stepping in in child care maybe a little bit or you know cleaning up the house a little bit you know <laughs> yeah
2: or it's the, or it's, it's it's secondary it's not primary I mean if it's you know if it's a choice between who stays home with the baby because the nanny doesn't show up it's going to be you it's not going to be your husband or your Gary, partner so, you
3: know I, And it's. I have to say I do know I do have friends in my generation that it could be the other way around but not consistently you know it's it's more fifty-fifty, but it's not always the man.
2: And who gets up in the middle of the night with the baby?
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't you want to put a big bet on that one. Yeah,
2: I do. I'm, I'm waiting for the answer. Yeah. In my
3: household, it's most of the time it's, my, it's me. Yeah. Most of the time. And, you know, unless I'll nudge him and say, could you please get up, do you hear her crying? But, you know, he's not as, I have to say, there's a biological difference there. I do not believe he's as tuned in as I am. I'm the one that wakes up, you know, the moment I hear a peep coming from her room. I do think there's biological, scientific differences in our bodies about that.
2: I do, too. I think we are, biologically, we are hardwired to do that. Uh, You know, I remember that very well. Three babies, not three babies, but three kids under the age of four, and I could just hear. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> you should, you'd see what I looked like in those days, but uh, I would always hear it. I, as you say, you can hear, and and it was something. I, even if it was, if we were in a strange place, and it was, a, you know, they were in another room or across the, you know, house or whatever it was, and my husband would never hear it. You know, unless they were really screaming. But exactly. He, yeah. Well, it's for the preservation of the species. That's exactly or, right.
3: That's
4: yeah, or, exactly
3: right. So, you know, I was speaking to my neighbor the other day who's um, more your generation, and she is telling me, you know, it's they're just men and women are physically biased. She believes that we're different and exactly what you just said, for the sake of the
4: species.
2: I, I have a book for you to read, and for listeners, too. It's I Stop at Red Lights, and it's about a man who is a writer... And this is a true this is true this is an autobiography and he writes and he and his wife who is a very high um, she's a, an attorney in New York City very high power job and they totally reverse the roles
4: and oh, interesting.
2: he tr- yes and he truly is the mother they have tw- a set of tw- uh, triplets and then one son who's like a year and a half or two years older hmm. and the book starts out with the birth of these triplets and not by him though, not by <laughs> <him>. <laughs> no, I don't know that's a whole other story yeah she would and he didn't say that either. he didn't say, well, we just we're we're having a baby or we're doing you know he said she's having the baby I mean he was very clear about that, but it was really interesting from his perspective because he was the only one who was the you know who was who was the only man who was in when he was in New York City with the kids, and they were in an apartment, then they moved to scarsdale. But there were there if there if were no other men who were in his position who solely had responsibility for the kids because she made the most money.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think that we there is a small, like I would say if 10%, it's, you know, one out of 10 maybe. I know one family here in Austin that the dad, they're equal. It's not um, he is the soul. It's they both don't work. They both stay home. They're fortunate enough to be able to do that and they're very much 50/50 it seems like you know that's what it that's what the perception is
2: yeah well that's a different set of circumstances they both are at home exactly so yeah i think that makes it easier
3: it's interesting though when you come to take charge like are in that case i think you have to be really conscious and have a real open discussion around who's going to stay home and what role are you going to play and it's it's talked about where so much more it's just assumed you know of course you're the woman you're going to do it
2: you know? <laughs> <laughs> well aren't those the things you should talk about before you get married Definitely. that nobody ever talks about never ever well you know
3: because there's such assumptions you know we both in my situation I just assumed of course we'd be like more 50-50 and um, I think he just assumed I would do the majority of it and it was never talked about because our assumptions were what we went on it was very interesting
2: it is because both of you here you are uh, you know both you 've been in business he 's been in business you 've been out there, uh, you have all the information, business coach, all of those and still you get and, and, and so did I, and I think most women do get stuck in that kind of a situation. maybe you need to write it down
3: well, i 'm actually thinking there 's a book of you know the questions to ask before having a child you know to And there is a book, actually. There is a book that walks you through some basics, but it's not. The whole book is not. It's a tiny, like three-page segment of this larger book, you know. But it's a. There is a whole, a whole segment of communication that gets left out because we just make a lot of assumptions about it.
2: So, before you have, what do you discuss before you have a baby? Some people, it's not even planned. Okay, so that's. But when you know, people talk about we're planning to have children. We're going to have a baby. But they don't sit down and write down what the the responsibilities and the roles are of each partner, each parent. And
3: I think a lot of times they don't even know because they both have not been through it. I have a great friend who's in the process of trying to have a child, and um, I say I say to her, "You discuss everything. You know, talk about who's going to do breakfast. Who you know who's a, who's." Right, which? How are you going to feed the baby? Are you going to have a healthy eating plan? Are you going to, you know talk about everything? Who's going to do diapers? Are you both open to both kinds of diapers? You know? <laughs> are you fighting
2: over what type of diapers to get? Do you breastfeed or do you bottle feed? And do you have a real? Who has the stake in it? I mean, it's really interesting. It's
3: everything. I mean, my husband will. He'll change pee diapers, but he won't change number two diapers. You know, <laughs>
2: most men won't.
3: It's so crazy. Yeah, he's
2: biologically programmed for that one. He says,
3: no, he says, I'm bio- biologically programmed because I do it better.
2: Oh, oh <laughs> I've heard that. Don't fall for that one. Oh, please. No. But you and also then, have- you know,
3: who's going to do tubs at the end of each day? Because you're exhausted after working all day. Who's going to do it? You know, is it always one person? Are you going to take turns, you know? Who's going to cook while the other one's, you know, taking putting the child to bed or whatever?
2: And do you feel guilty? Can he make you feel guilty about not wanting to do some of those things and asking him to do it?
3: I, you know, I just I don't feel guilty about much these days.
2: <laughs> You're so <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> There's
3: very little I feel because I know that I do the best. I truly believe I do the best I can, and if I'm asking for help, I really am asking because I need it. So that's a whole other, that's a whole other discussion actually, is guilt because you can feel. I know a lot of mothers that feel guilty they're not doing enough for their child or not not contributing to the relationship as much as they like or whatever, you know.
2: There's or asking for help. I think that's one of the issues that women have difficulty with. Asking for help and just saying no. And that's okay. And then, as you say, not feeling guilty. Well, the next guest before we take the break is going to be Dr. Joshua Coleman. And uh, he's written a book, When Parents Hurt. And... Um, Compassionate strategies when you and your grown child don't get along. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and Lauren Beller on VoiceAmerica.com Women.
0: talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio.
5: I have three children, and I've been raising my 16-year-old
4: sister.
0: Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own.
5: When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up.
0: Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable.
5: Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give
0: a hand.
6: We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood.
5: There's several more to
6: be built this year, and
5: I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future.
0: Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I
5: feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home.
0: Are you willing to be taught and invest a few minutes each week to learn principles that will ensure your success and fulfillment? Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to It's Easier Done Than Said on the Voice America Women's Channel.
5: Chat with Women reaches boomer women and their daughters. The concept is simple. It's the modern equivalent of having coffee with a million or so of our closest girlfriends. Chat with Women doesn't talk trash and it doesn't dish dirt. It's intelligent programming for intelligent women. Imagine that. Host Pam Gray and Rochelle Alhadif, fun-living women with enough life experience to go around, want to share their joy and knowledge of life with others. Plan to spend Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time with Pam and Rochelle on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you can't call mom, call Chat With Women, real advice for real life from real women, and to keep their listeners laughing and learning with exciting interviews, live call-in sessions, and advice from two revolutionary baby boomers. Join Pam and Rochelle every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for Chat With Women here on the Voice America Women's Channel.
0: Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zock Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788.
2: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Welcome back. Uh, join to the Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmerica.com, VoiceAmerica.com Women. And Joining me this morning is Dr. Joshua Coleman. He's author of When Parents Hurt, Compassionate Strategies When You and Your Grown Child Don't Get Along. He's an internationally known expert in parenting, couples, families, and relationships. And Dr. Coleman, your book and welcome to the show has been described as a, as a gift, an extraordinary gift for parents and children. Nice to have you on this morning.
7: thanks for having me on
2: yes uh, okay this is this book is you know the topic when parents hurt and you 're talking about adult children not being able to get along with their parents or even being estranged, I think is one of the most painful things that can happen to to a, to well to a parent and to the child, uh, and a topic that there's a lot of stigma attached to it. People don't want to talk about it. Uh, it it's one of those topics that we, I think we kind of like uh, put under the table, put under the rug.
7: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, feeling like you're a good parent is really at the core of our identity as people and our self-esteem. And so if you've worked hard to be a good parent, it's part of your core values as it is for most of us, and things go awry with your child, then... It can make you feel terrible about yourself, and then you feel more isolated because it's hard to talk to people because people are going to, you know, because you worry that people are going to be critical of you or not understand or um, give you overly simplistic solutions and that kind of thing. So, so the social isolation is a serious problem.
2: And I I think that's true, though. I think you know, I I think that people do judge you. You know, people, you know, everybody. They, you know, you don't get along with your grown up. You know, with your adult child, it's sort of like, well, what did you do that was so bad that they don't want to be with you? Yeah. And there is that underlying assumption. Are there situations where, let's talk about estrangement, um, where the child is justified in not in cutting off relationships with a parent?
7: Well, yes. I mean, tragically, many, many kids are raised in homes where there is child abuse, there is incest, there is neglect, or the parents were um, just so self-centered that the kid really wasn't parented, and so the kid has been damaged or scarred, or even if the kid was able to um, develop a, a decent adult life, they still carry the, the very, very deep painful memories and scars of that experience, um, and so they feel and maybe the parent has come around and is an adult, but the child feels like, well, you know, I'm sorry, but it's a little it's a little too too late, um, so um, it, it's very painful when you're the parent when that happens. But I have worked with adult children who um, who feel that way.
2: And is there any good outcomes in those cases? Are there, are there many? Well, in terms of re- <coughs> reestablishing the relationship between parent and child.
7: Yeah, that's really why I wrote the book. Yeah. Uh, among other reasons, is to give parents a roadmap back because there's so many ways you can make mistakes and. <laughs> excuse me, continue to, to make the relationship bad. Um, but there are many things that a parent can do in those situations to to heal it. And the first and most important thing is to reach out to the child consistently and acknowledge the mistakes that were made and make amends for the mistakes that were made. Um, and To be honest and forthright about it, don't try to, even though it feels terrible to hear how painful your behavior made your child feel. To really still embrace that child and say, you know, you're right. I do feel terrible about that. You're right to be upset and mad. You know, if you were a parent who did really terrible things, then to to say you have a right to not want to forgive me, I understand. I suppose if I'd been raised in a similar home, I might not want to forgive my parent either. You know, to really get inside your child's mind, it's really your only chance if in that situation.
2: Give us some examples of specific kinds of families. Like this book is written for many different kinds of relationships. and That's right. uh, Yeah. So give us some examples of those different kinds of relationships that occur between parent and adult child. This
7: sure. Is, yeah.
6: Well,
7: so, <clears throat> so, for example, one might be, um, I get an increasing number of letters from parents who um, actually were decent parents, but their adult children have cut them off. And sometimes these are kids who grow up and independently of the parent's parenting, become alcoholic or they develop mental illness, they have borderline personality disorders or they've got, um, they have depressive illness um, or other kinds of um, mental, different forms of mental illness that cause them to treat the parent in very abusive and rejecting ways. Um, so this is a situation where the parent has actually been a pretty decent parent and they've been rejected. Um, so that's that's a very very painful um, situation. I get a lot of those kinds of letters on my on my blog at dot com. Another common situation or the type that I just talked about, where the parents made you know fairly serious mistakes. But then there's a lot of them where they're just kind of in the middle. They're kind of situations where the parents really were being decent enough parents, but they missed something important about the kid, where the kid ended up feeling misunderstood or hurt um, or um, Or damaged in some way, and sometimes the parent was trying to correct the mistakes that their parents made, but they swung too far in the other direction. (laughs) You know, it's so easy as parents to to get it wrong. So, in that situation, um, you know, it's easy for us to forgive the parent, but the kid may feel like, well, you know, as a result of that, I ended up feeling, you know, really misunderstood or over controlled or overly neglected. Or that kind of things. So it is, or those are a few kind of common scenarios.
2: And also, I would imagine, uh, doctor, that you know, with the uh, divorce rate being what fifty percent or sixty percent, right. you have right. blended families. You can have a parent who's remarried, and and that spouse doesn't get along with the child. And and that, it seems to me that would create a whole environment for for this kind of thing.
7: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I would say that ninety percent of the letters and emails I get from parents who are suffering with this our parents have, who have been through a divorce, so yes, remarriage is very stressful on kids. the whole step family issues can be stressful single parenting can be stressful on the um, on the relationship um, you know in twenty five percent of families, dads drop out completely within a year of divorce, and in only twenty five percent of families do dads see their kids more than once a year I mean more than once a week um, that 's a serious strain on the relationship there 's so many ways that divorce can weaken or Strain the ties between children and adults whenever the divorce occurs sometimes um, um, parents d- divorce when the kids are grown, but then they remarry and there's jealousy between the, the grown children and the new um, stepmother or girlfriend or, or boyfriend where um, there's fear that that person is going to take away the inheritance so there's so many different ways that divorce can contribute to problems um, and, and that has to be also very very well handled that's why I have a whole chapter in it and when parents hurt
2: yeah an important chapter, and the other I think another one is that uh, so you know you say the twenty five percent of the dads are, are leave but oftentimes and maybe this is a new phenomenon I don't know yeah. that, that the the father and the mother are vying for the kids. You know, you have the kid, the child living in one house one week and another house the next week, and, and that's right. it's a different kind of distress, but it's just as stressful.
7: There's no question, and if, right, especially when the parents are vying. And I think even in the best case scenarios, there's still competition between the parents about who's the best parent, um, and those kind of feelings can um, affect the child and make the child feel. Like they should have some kind of an alliance with one versus the other, or if they do have a gripe against the one parent, they can use their alliance with the other parent as a way to bolster their case or their feelings of antagonism so yes that 's a very important point that you 're raising uh,
2: another I think another point is and, and this is you also uh, talk about this in the book parents who are mismatched with their children i 'm always fascinated with that, that like nobody 's right or wrong, and a mother can tell. After you give birth, you know, you may be a very placid kind of mom, you know, take it easy kind of person, and then you have this child who's just full of energy. And there's a clash right from the beginning.
7: It's true. It's, it is fascinating that some children you just sort of immediately, I mean, I have three children. So I do
2: too. I have three boys. Very three, different. <laughs> I have yeah.
7: Two boys and a girl. Um, but yeah, with some kids you're just immediately in sync with, you very rarely have conflict with, and other kids you have conflict, you know, straight out of the womb. And what we found from the research is that um, some kids are hard on any parent. Kids, for example, who have ADD, who have, um, in some cases, of learning disabilities, certain kinds of learning disabilities, aggressive kids, that in general those kinds of kids are much more likely to provoke parental frustration, to evoke um, a lot of parental um, mistakes than kids who are, say, more placid, who are more winning, friendly, you know, engaging, cooperative. They're just, you know, they're going to evoke a much more ideal parental response. And so, you know, what, what, is it? So what happens is that um, some kids can make the really mediocre parents look like amazing parents because they're just so, such success stories. And other um, parents are loving, dedicated. They do everything right. They sacrifice. Right. They spend money. <laughs> and because of the kids' temperament and issues, the parents look like, you know, losers. They look, they look completely inadequate. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's tragic.
2: Yeah, well, so it's very complex. I mean, it's as you're talking, complex. it is. I was thinking about. I, I have a friend. This is a very high-powered couple. Right. You know, lawyers, very bright, Phi beta Kappa, and they have two lovely kids, but they're kind of average in terms of intelligence right. and accomplishments. And it's it's But you can. It's it, it is a major issue, and I can see as they get older. Because as I'm listening to you, it's going to be a major. Contention. There's going to be real problems. I mean, they're, they're yeah. always putting pressure on these two lovely children who just can't do it or do what they did.
7: <laughs> I, yeah, I, I see that a lot too. I'm in the Bay Area, so I work with all of these high-powered, high-powered. families. high <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and it's a common thing. You know, you get these poor kids who are—they have learning disabilities, and they've got attentional problems, or they're just not that motivated. They don't—they don't, they don't want to be the, you know, the superstar achievers. They're—they're they're perfectly happy, you know, just kind of having a, a, a decent life and not—not. Not getting on a Harvard track, and they're married to these parents who really, you know, who are kind of star players, um, who've achieved everything, who are making tons of money. And it's a mismatch, and, and it can cause serious problems because it can make the kids feel unaccepted, rejected, um, you know, disapproved of, and the, kids, the parents can walk around feeling disappointed. They can feel like they're doing something wrong, that their kids aren't more ambitious, um, and so it's a
2: hornet's nest. I mean, <laughs> we have to say goodbye. Nest. I could, I could really, I could go well, We could have done this for an hour, and I yeah. want everyone to know that they can buy your book when parents hurt on uh, Amazon.com and at bookstores everywhere, and they can go to whenparentshurt.com. Is a lot more information. It's been great having you on the show today. Thanks.
7: It was a pleasure.
2: Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. 29 minutes past the hour. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on VoiceAmerica.com. Women.
0: radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
5: Chat with Women reaches boomer women and their daughters. The concept is simple. It's the modern equivalent of having coffee with a million or so of our closest girlfriends. Chat with Women doesn't talk trash and it doesn't dish dirt. It's intelligent programming for intelligent women. Imagine that. Host Pam Gray and Rochelle Alhadif, fun-living women with enough life experience to go around, want to share their joy and knowledge of life with others. Plan to spend Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time with Pam and Rochelle on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you can't call mom, call Chat With Women, real advice for real life from real women, and to keep their listeners laughing and learning with exciting interviews, live call-in sessions, and advice from two revolutionary baby boomers. Join Pam and Rochelle every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for Chat With Women here on the Voice America Women's Channel.
6: inner health through homeopathy hosted by melissa birch cch with dr tim striker this show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy a holistic approach to health care which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment the healing process involves physical mental and emotional changes which come from a wellness within Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy.
1: Grunt? Yeah, be like... Oh, uh, 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 uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? Would you feel scared or proud? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community... Also, have an effect on your own. Would you rather make your own way or spend a lifetime saying, What if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call 1 800 424 8580 or go to Peace Corps.gov.
0: Finally, radio that has real depth. Voice America Radio
1: Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is
3: 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine
2: Zox, your social worker with the microphone. We are back on voiceamerica.com, voiceamerica.com women. What do you think, Lauren? Hey,
3: Catherine. I, um, <laughs> I love this topic. I think it's... Really interesting to think of people being mismatched, and the ta- and the challenges we have.
2: I mean, parents and children. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually,
3: I, am- I never thought about it that way.
2: Yeah, and I think it's very. You see it very often. I can, you know, I sort of have. What do you call it? Hindsight, because I can look at. I'm not in that That's the situation. Difference between you
3: and me these days.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit of wisdom. But, you know, I look at mothers and, and, well, I gave the example. We were talking with Dr. Coleman, but you see these just, and he said in San Francisco and New York City also it's the same, and most cities, I guess. You know, you really, you have these, like, energized, high-pressured parents who just have these delightful, you may mellow little, you know, children who are, they don't necessarily have to have any kind of a problem, but they just aren't matched in the right family. And it's even more obvious if you have a family with, say, two or three kids who match their parents' personality, and then the other the, the, the One third doesn't. Yes.
3: Yeah. That's, and I think that's probably really normal, don't you think? That happens a lot with the, with the more children you have, the more that chances of that happening.
2: Probably. Yeah. yeah. The more children you have. Yes. You're and totally I right. think
3: the more you know, someone's and they, maybe not consciously, but maybe a child would be like, I just don't want to be like the rest of them, you know, and be more laid back and not you know not so driven, just because it looks like a lot of energy and work.
2: But I think it even starts with the babies.
3: I think you're right. I
2: mean, from the minute, each one of my children, one of the boys, I mean, I nursed all the babies. Everybody doesn't know that by now. But (laughs) they all nursed differently. Isn't
3: that funny?
2: Very differently for, you know, and I wasn't sure. You know, I sort of based my nursing experience on the first baby and didn't, you know, took, you know, 10 minutes on each breast. 20 minutes on each breast because they told you you were supposed to nurse on both sides 20 minutes apiece. and I kept thinking I don't think women out in the fields and wherever do that but anyway I did it and had, even had a timer <laughs> talk about putting pressure on breastfeeding It's
4: uh,
2: <laughs> so funny yeah, like it had to be exactly 20 minutes no more just, no less no more no less I don't know what I thought he would starve or what but anyway the second one uh, you know a couple minutes on each breast done finished and he was fine, nourished, uh, you know, uh, had all the milk that he needed, and, and um, it, it was no problem. And then the third one is kind of in between.
4: and and then, funny.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, of course, you don't have a basis of comparison, but it's very funny. Just very different from the way they eat, the way they eat their food, um, when they wake up in the middle of the night, all of those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, if you're a night owl and so is your kid, it's great. But if you're not and your kid is,
3: You're in trouble.
2: Well, there's a lot of contention.
3: I bet. Yeah. And from the So, literally, right from the moment they're out in the world, there's. Out of the
2: womb, as you said, just out of the womb, yep.
3: So amazing. It's such a great, it's really interesting for me to think about because I do have a biology degree and a psychology degree. And I just love, this is a great topic for that, you know, to have such strong education on both sides. You know, is it science? Is it nature or nurture? And it's so clear that it's science as well as you know i think there's some nurturing differences too probably that happened naturally with the second one and the third one
2: yes yeah, that's true but this n- mismatched parents and uh, you know i've actually seen there's a documentary on this and i i, I can't remember where it I, I saw it where they actually went in and filmed mothers feeding their babies putting them to bed and examples of mothers who are mismatched with their ch- with their babies
3: and how they did it
2: well, it was more of a, a just kind of an observation kind of thing, and you could see it. You could, you know, you'd look at the facial expressions of the mother when the baby did something that was right. kind of contrary to her own
3: her own way, and yeah, you know, the, yeah the judgments that happened so early on.
2: Uh-huh. And, and they're nonverbal; they can just be the way she's looking at the baby, or touching, or you know, putting her back or him back in his crib. Those kinds of things. They're very subtle differences. But they build up over the years, and by the time the kid is the child has reached five years old, there's a lot of stuff that's happened emotionally in terms of their development. I mean, it starts. I think
3: from the moment they're born, it begins. You know, that either the supportiveness or the not so supportive. I was um, with a family this weekend, and the mother her she walked into my house with a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and she said to the and she was pregnant, do again with another boy. She had a boy and a girl already, and The girl, I said something about, what are you having? I didn't know what it was. And she said, we're having a boy. She says, thank God, because my daughter is my challenge. And she heard her say that. Can you imagine? (laughs) And from that, you know, it's just every little tiny comment about them being challenged, you know, her being challenging is going to affect that relationship forever.
2: Because the sort of the subtext with um, my daughter is a challenge is that my daughter is. There's something wrong with her. Exactly. She's not, I mean, and that's She's what not gets, a boy.
3: because I don't have challenges with my boys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like,
3: oh man. <laughs>
2: so you can imagine hearing that constantly for your, you know, my daughter is a child. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's. Um, I think it, if parents were more aware of that, they would be able to do something about it. If it were more out in the open, okay, you know, I do have a child who doesn't quite fit our family persona. Exactly. Uh, then let me be sensitive to it, and I think you can be. But I don't think that many or most parents are, or even are conscious of that.
3: I would agree with that. I also think that there's something about um, it's our own as parents. It's our own opportunity to heal our own judgments.
2: That's but, interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. In other uh, words,
3: yeah. There's that we grew up with a family that helped us. Per, come up with these perspectives and then these children come into our lives and we get to decide do we, we do want to further those perspectives and deepen them into this particular family or do I want to use it as an opportunity to change grow and heal you know from what my father or mother said to me but that's the conscious person yeah you have, you have to be conscious about that
2: yeah and that comes much later
3: well for some of us <laughs> 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 I mean I really I was reading an article yesterday on how it's it actually was online Daily Om OM and it was very it was speaking exactly to that to the opportunity of parenting is the opportunity to heal as an adult um through the childhood experiences that were hurtful so that you don't reproduce the same issues in your own children
2: yeah unfortunately I think a lot of us do that though and even as you're doing it you know this is when parents you know they'll say something to their their child that uh, you, that was said to you, and you vowed you would never say that, exactly. and then you hear yourself saying it, and exactly. you either have to stop. And I've done I, I've done that. I've stopped. I said, okay, I know I, this is not something I want to say, and I've stopped in mid sentence because I am aware this is not what I want to do. This is something that was done to me, and I don't want to repeat the uh, repeated in, in this generation. But you have to always be aware. You have to be, I mean. I think that's part of the, the the problem.
3: I would totally agree with that. Be aware and and be again. It started with our conversation. You know, be in charge of how we want to be as a parent.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's very. Here's another issue, and and you probably you haven't gotten to that point yet. And that Dr. Coleman discusses it in his book. But when children grow up and they, you have this expectation for what they want to do and what they should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And I, you know, I have a girlfriend who's struggling with this right now, and she was telling me, you know, not satisfied with what kind of what school they went to and you know what jobs one of her daughters is pursuing and who she wants to marry, and and, and that gets in the way. And that's another, you know, that comes later, but um, and wrestling with that not wanting to alienate her, her daughter but at the same time feeling like i have to get it out and say how i feel about what you're doing and i don't think you should be doing you know the job you're doing or being involved with this man that you're involved with and you know it's more difficult to talk to an adult child than it is to you know you are in charge when it's a when they're under 18 exactly. but after that yeah. it's very different very
3: different i have a, a big fish person that i work with um, a mom, obviously, not obviously, but she's a mom. And, you know, in her mid-40s, she has a daughter that's in her mid-20s. And just yesterday, she's very different, the two of them. Oh, my goodness. Night, Black and white. You know, we have a um, free-spirited, money-doesn't-matter kind of daughter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there are a lot of those around. There's a
3: lot of them. Yeah. And then we have this mom who's corporate mom, you know, driven, focused, and, um, you know, i don't need to say anymore and you know she's telling me that her daughter is going to go to massage school in hawaii and you know she's doing her best to just accept her for who she is and she says it's so easy to judge it and say go get a real job you know she was went to do some peace Corps work (laughs) (laughs) funny
2: she'll end up being the ceo of a company that's exactly
3: you are exactly right
2: yeah she will she just has to bide her time right
3: I think you're exactly right that the, the younger person, the daughter, is going to figure out you know what's you know what's right for her, and it's, she's going to come full circle when after she explores the world.
2: And Lauren, uh, speaking of you know, I don't know, super moms. Uh, there's there's a real trend for mothers who come from high power jobs, lawyers, doctors, professionals, uh, do, you know, and give up their or careers to, to raise the children. I don't say give up their careers, but take a hiatus, and that they take all of those um, attributes that you need in the corporate world, and they apply it to running their household, which puts an enormous amount of stress on the children. You know, organization. You know, all their organizational skills and making sure that everybody's, you know, taking the right kinds of lessons, and you know, the expectations are so high, and there's a lot of pressure um, in these kinds of households. Uh, which I don't think is really great for the kids, for the children. I keep saying kids. You're supposed to say children.
3: Well, you know, there's something really big missing in corporate America, and that's, you know, where's the love? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: yeah, where's the love? There's no love in corporate America. Exactly. So yeah. when people
3: are trying to apply corporate America strategy and organizational you know, development to our families, I think we're going to be missing some big important things because they are missing in corporate America. You know, where's yeah. the compassion?
2: Um. There is no compassion. There is no compassion. Yeah,
3: and I think that so many times we do try to apply, you know, how we deal with our employees or our coworkers, and we try to deal with our kids the same way, and it's so not. It won't work because, as um, the doctor talked about talked about a few minutes ago, you know, we it's so easy to make a mistake as a parent.
2: (laughs) Yes, it is. And do you find yourself feeling? I mean. You know, there's no right or wrong. I think that's the most difficult I, situation.
3: I would agree with you.
2: Yeah. And you don't know what the long-term ramifications are going to be. You
3: never know. I, you know, read, I was at Starbucks a couple of weeks ago, and I read the best quote. It was one of the best quotes on parenting. The best parent is the one that knows they can only do the best they can. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that they're doing the best they can. And not to, you know, I just I think that, no, I'm sorry, your, your child grows up. Finally, when he or she knows that your parents did the best they can,
2: that takes a long time, it and I does. think it's and it's a process, and it's not as I think there is. I think it's very specific. I mean, sometimes you're willing to forgive them in certain areas. You're when you grow up as an adult in other areas, you're not, and maybe they didn't do the best they could in certain situations. Well, I mean,
3: it, what, that's true, but I think that as a child growing up, there's a point. And I see this more now as a parent that. I realized that I used to think I used to have much more judgments about my parents, you know, as when I wasn't a parent, you know, that wow, they could have done that better and that better and this different and that different. And now, as as a mother, I realize they really, in the moment, probably did the best they could.
2: Yeah, because now you've had the same experience. Exactly. We're going to take a break right now. Lauren Deller and Catherine Zox on VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America Women. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and we're talking about women taking charge.
1: If you are among the millions who are on the quest to find the fountain of youth, then this is the program for you. Dr. Norm Shealy brings to Internet Talk Radio youthful aging, secret of the fountain, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Dr. Shealy's mission is to help you have optimal health and longevity, and the purpose of youthful aging is to give you an opportunity to ask your own questions about anything related to health, and everything is related to health. Each week, Dr. Shealy will focus on a particular health topic and. What Welcomes your questions, which are the reason for the program. Tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Youthful Aging: Secret of the Fountain with Dr. Norm Shealy, and discover for yourself the secret of the fountain.
0: Winning with Wellness, where beauty meets health, with Dr. Badushi Baber, is a place where women can share their health and beauty tips and learn that wellness means having a positive self-image. Tune in every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio.
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788.
2: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Welcome back to VoiceAmerica.com, Voice America Women. We've been talking about taking charge today. That's been the theme of the show. And Joining me this morning is... Ex, is Elizabeth Batagli. No, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Cahill, Vice President of National Women's Health Resource Center, to talk to us about a landmark study on women's health conditions, which highlights a significance for baby boomers. And I am one of those baby boomers. So, uh, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Elizabeth.
8: Thank you for having me.
2: Okay, so what are we talking about this morning? What, you know, this landmark study, what is it? Why do we need to know about it? And when. And what do we do?
8: (laughs) Well, we commissioned a report, and we're talking about pelvic health, because what we found out is that at least one-third of all women, 21 years old and older, will be treated for one or more of pelvic health problems by the time they turn 60. So that's huge. In addition, our report found that baby boomer women, those women between the ages of 40 and 60, experience pelvic disorders most frequently, and these pelvic health re, uh, related conditions can really significantly, significantly affect um, your life. So we're here to talk about pelvic health because women aren't talking about it.
2: Why aren't they talking about it? I mean, because why they're embarrassed. It, yeah. they're
8: embarrassed, and it's just it's unfortunate. I mean, here we are today. We can, you know, we've certainly made erectile dysfunction, to talk <laughs> conversation, and why are we struggling with uh, not being able to talk about our pelvic health? And when I'm talking about pelvic health, I'm talking about, like, four major conditions here. We're talking about heavy periods, fibroids, pelvic organ prolapse, and stress urinary incontinence.
2: You know, we talk about, as women, I think we also, you mentioned erectile dysfunction. We also will talk about our breath.
8: right.
4: But you know what? A yeah. great,
8: that's a great, you just brought up one of my, the, uh, a huge talking point here, at breast. When we look at breast health and we look at how far we've come since the 60s and 70s when radical mastectomy was the only choice for breast cancer and compare it to pelvic health where over 600,000 hysterectomies are performed every year and that statistic has not gone down in 25 years. There's a problem.
2: There's definitely a problem, and I, I I still get. I, there's a problem because we won't talk about it. You really have to start with that. There is a shame, I think, associated or something that there's something wrong with my pelvis, you know, or what, what's happening, what you, uh, um, you know, below the waist. We can't right. talk about it. We can't. I mean, we can't even say the word vagina most of the time.
8: Right. And when you know, and what we what we were finding is that here you are, you have, and people don't realize that these conditions are treatable. We can treat a lot of the conditions like stress urinary incontinence, for instance. A lot of women that go through vaginal deliveries or may have a difficult vaginal birth um, and are experiencing um, some leakage of urine, like during their Pilates class or going for a run, or even while they laugh or sneeze, might think that this is normal and think that, you know, the solution is just wearing like a, a light day pad every day, um, you know, for the rest of their life. That's not normal, and there is treatment options for this. And same with um, if you have heavy bleeding. You do not have to suffer or plan your trips around your monthly period. There are new treatment options, and what we want and what we're trying to do through this campaign uh, that we launched in uh, June called What's Going On Down There um, is to educate women about public health, more importantly, questions that they can ask their health care provider, and if they're not happy with the... Um, the feedback that they're getting from their doctor, then you need to seek a second opinion. And there are doctors that are specialized in Euro, um, gynecology, and and a lot of women don't even realize that. They think that just going to their, you know, primary OBGYN and, and getting their, you know, feedback on, on their condition is good enough. Well, if they're telling you that you need a hysterectomy or that, you know, this is like just because you've had a, you know, a hard delivery, you're going to leak some urine, and it's not they don't need to live with that type of yeah, response. Yeah, so they
2: don't have the answer. You, you need to go some, okay, you say a urogynecologist. Where do we find that? I mean, Actually, you is- can
8: log on to, uh, there's an organization, the American Association of Urogynecologists, um, or you can log on to our website at uh, healthywomen.org and we'd be happy. We have that information up on our website. What's going on down there.com has all the information you need to know about pelvic health.
2: Elizabeth, what are some of the specific problems that uh, women in there who have gone through menopause, older women, uh, women in their fifties and sixties, and even seventies, are there any specific kinds of pelvic health problems that they have? Well,
8: sure. I mean, with the fluctuation um, of hormones during menopause and after men, you know, and, and after postmenopausal, women um, can certainly experience uh, vaginal dryness. Um, a lot of women have um, experienced like prolapsed um, uteruses, which are which are problematic, and a lot of times these people. Um, or and bladder problems um, because their uterus had been removed during a hysterectomy. So, and a uterus actually supports everything above that. So, you remove the uterus, um, a lot of the organs that are above the uterus are going to fall because they don't have that supported structure. So we are <laughs> finding that uh, older women are having problems, and you know hysterectomies are just you know there's again you know I'm just bringing up that that number six over six hundred thousand. Hysterectomies are being performed, and most women are not get, seeking second opinions.
2: Yeah, well, it's the quick fix, yeah. you know? It's yeah. the quick fix, and they don't understand what the repercussions can be from having a hysterectomy. Maybe, uh, what about women and uh, women? Should they be going to a, a female doctor or a male doctor, or do you think that doesn't make any difference? No,
8: I don't, we, don't, we haven't found any difference, and I I mean, I go to a male OBGYN. I just think you need to go to someone that you feel comfortable with. But also, if you, you are experiencing a problem and you're not happy with the response that you're getting, it's up to us to educate ourselves and to get ourselves to um, another doctor and to start asking questions and seek out a second opinion. So many women we're finding, you know, we have our relationship with our OBGYN. They've delivered our babies or we've been going to them for 15, 20, 25 years or more, and we think that whatever they say is is the end-all be-all. Well, you know what? Um, not all of these doctors are trained in the newer techniques and procedures, and you need to find someone that is and that can offer new treatment options um, that are that could potentially be suited for you.
2: So Elizabeth, if we go to the website and the new book which, uh, you're pu- which you published, what's going on down there, a lot of this information that we would, have been talking about will be there plus a lot more. So right. I want it's,
8: to- a, it's a free brochure and then there's more information on our website, you know, definitely more information uh, on the website and then we've got great information on cervical health and everything you need to know about pelvic health to just help you begin that dialogue
2: terrific great having you on the show this morning thanks so much
8: thank you have a great day you
2: too bye bye. Elizabeth Bataglino Cahill she's vice president of National Women's Health Resource Center and uh, as we said you can go to the website if you want more information on women's health pelvic health uh, specifically I'm Catherine Zox and you've been listening to the Catherine Zox show I'm your social worker with a microphone and you're listening to voiceamerica.com voiceamerica.com women have a great day and I'll see you next week
1: We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.